Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Shilor Select. The whole system will be ready in a few minutes. Take your seat and enjoy. All right. So thanks for being here today. Um, thanks for sending me your book, too. I, was, I, got, I got it read just in time. But uh, I really appreciate that. But uh, before we start digging into it and everything, why don't you just give everyone a, a brief introduction of who you are and all that good stuff, and then we yes. get the party going from there. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm Eddie Caparucci, and I am a licensed professional counselor, and I'm certified in the area of the treatment of sex and porn addiction. My wife, Carrie, and I, we have a private practice in North Carolina. Um, we do much of our stuff virtually as opposed to live nowadays, uh, but I'm also an author. I'm an author of several books, including my latest one, which is Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spot. But I've also designed a treatment model for sex and porn addiction that I call the inner child model. And that's based off of my book, Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction. Okay, great, great. So let's start off. What what was your motivation or why did you end up writing your latest book? I mean... Well, the book on uh, the latest book was based on the idea that, you know, it came to understand that being sober is not enough. And the idea that a person who was struggling with really any kind of addiction, but in this case, we're talking about a sexual addiction, pornography addiction, that they're, they're, whoever their, uh, their spouse or their partner is, these people are struggling, they're hurting, they don't feel safe. They feel like they they've been they have been betrayed, and so therefore, just saying, "Well, I'm no longer doing blank, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. I'm no longer looking at porn. I'm no longer going to massage parlor. No longer going to strip club. That's not enough, because what'll happen is that there's other behaviors that individuals who deal with addiction also exhibit, and what those are." The reason for those behaviors is because these people, for the most part, also are emotionally undeveloped. So what I want to do is develop a, uh, show them a program on how you can become well-rounded. So you're not just removing the behavior, but you're transforming the heart. Okay, yeah, 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 that makes sense. And, um, you know, like what you were just talking about, a lot of these issues seem to uh, come from childhood you know, is what 
from based on what I was getting from your book is that, you know, depending on how their environment they grew up in, the type of parents they had, you know, and the, you know, experiences they went through in their life, you know, kind of, I guess you could say transform them or actually cause, you know, these certain addictions. And that's why they were either treating, when I say, you know, certain men were treating, like some of the examples you used, treating women the way they were, correct? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris, because what happens is in early childhood development, there are some very critical stages that we all must go through so that in order for us to become and be able to emotionally bond and connect. And what happens with some people is they don't go, they don't get a chance to go through those steps, either because one, uh, their the environment they grow up in is very chaotic. Two, their parents don't have the skill set to be able to teach them these critical steps that are going on. So for example, you know, one, you need to be able to be aware of what are your own feelings? What are your emotions? You have to be able to figure out how to self-regulate your emotion. You need to learn how to be attuned to other people and what are they feeling. You need to develop trust that I can walk away from my parents and turn around and they'll still be there. I don't have to be fearful that I will be abandoned. These are just a couple of the different steps that we have to walk through. And if we miss one of those steps of development, we're not going to hit the other. So now we grow up. Okay, as we become teenagers and young adults and then adults, we don't have the skill set that are needed to be able to uh, have a uh, fulfilling relationship. But even more importantly, the one thing that we need to be taught when we're that age is we need to be taught how do I sit with emotional distress? How do I deal with problems? And if a parent's not giving you that, then a kid being, you know, one, very emotionally based in their thinking as opposed to cognitive, and two, not having a lot of worldly experiences, they come up with one solution to do with this pain, to deal with the guy, the fact that the kid next door took my toy and broke it, or the girl that I asked out in seventh grade said no, and everybody in the class was laughing at me. What do I do with this? Because I don't have anybody to bring it to. Well, their solution is very simple. I won't think about it. And then how do they not think about it? They learn to escape. Mm-hmm. Okay, they run to something, too much television, too much food, too many video games. Sure. And eventually, eventually they stumble across sex and it becomes that to go to. Because to them, it's like sex is the mother of all stimulant. Now go into your teen and adult world and you're still doing the same thing. You can't sit with any of your emotional distressors, so you just continue to run. And now fill in the blank with whatever addictive behavior you want to put in there. You know, do you think that because of technology today compared to older generations, you know, just like what you just said that, you know, a teenager, a child can easily, or, you know, find their way to porn or whatever, just because of, you know, trying to escape of what you just said. But do you think it's just because, you know, growing up with me, you know, know, we didn't really have the internet uh, until probably right about my, you know, I was 16, 15 years old, but now anybody with a phone can access porn. I mean, even if they type in the wrong thing, they could easily just stumble 
across pornographic images. I mean, do you think it's part of that just because it's so easily available now compared to uh, older, uh, younger generations? I mean, all right, well, and I'm a much older generation. <laughs> uh, and you know what? It was there. We were able to find it. You know, there, there were the magazines that kind of sat on the back of the rack that yeah. were in cover. But sometimes people would let you buy one. Uh, it seemed like Opie Brothers had mm-hmm. the collection, neighbors, somebody, there was always a way to seem to find it. So even at that age, we're there. The problem today is because, as you pointed out, is so accessible. What we're doing is we're taking something that's now an epidemic of a problem, and we're going to create a, 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 a a tidal wave here. Sure. This is going to be a major, major problem. And it's going to just get worse and worse. Uh, if we're trying to you know, have all these kids now who are not going to know how to emotionally bond and connect. Because what are they doing? They're learning about sex through porn. Yeah. For the most part. And they don't have the parents that are really there because of things. It's even worse today. And I'm not labeling all parents this way but there are many parents who are just caught up in life and therefore the kids are there and we figure oh they can handle their own they can do it themselves and that's a major mistake yeah and just what you said that you know i forgot if i heard this somewhere or where i was reading it or whatever but you know let's say 14 year old guy you know sees like a hardcore pornographic uh film or whatever but then in his mind that's his you know that's what sex is or that's maybe what he's thinking love is and that's how he goes on to start leading his relationships and he doesn't like you just said even the parents doesn't come in to correct it or anything like that but he goes on thinking oh this is what love is this is what sex is and it's not even close and yeah and i guess um I'm not really sure where I was going with that point, but I mean, it's just like. But you know what? But it's a good point because what you're doing is you're explaining that many men, not knowing what emotional intimacy is, mm-hmm. confuse physical intimacy for emotional intimacy. So therefore, that is what they'll lay the ground, the foundation for for a relationship, and they'll sprinkle some emotional intimacy in to support it. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Relationships are supposed to be based on emotional intimacy that we sprinkle the physical in to support it. So what's happening is that man, he feels that the way I show love is how I make you feel when I touch you physically. And I never feel more love than when when I'm being touched physically. That's what I feel. So they have it very, they have it all backwards. And at some point, the spouse is going to be, you know, feeling used. They're going to feel, you know, that they're being manipulated into sexual relations on a regular basis. And this guy thinks, oh, no, I'm just being loving and I'm being yeah. caring. And I want to show you how much I care. You know, in your book, you talk about, you know, low emotional IQ and things like that and try to identify, you know, anger for sadness or happiness for whatever. I mean, do you think that, you know, a person's personality trait plays into that too just you know they they want to you know build their emotional iq up but they just you know they're not they're very introverted i guess you could say and they just can't get through that threshold or through that wall i mean do you ever experiences like that or yeah absolutely there's no doubt about it that that part of that personality that we develop again in those early stages of childhood development Mm -hmm. that does wind up hindering if we can or cannot 
you know, take our emotional IQ and strengthen it. Now, everybody can strengthen their emotional IQ. But first and foremost, one, you have to be aware that you have that the problem that you have, which most people don't. And then when you do, when you finally recognize it, then basically is there's three components. One is I have to recognize what am I truly feeling? Most most people can tell you, especially men, they can tell you they're afraid, they can tell you they're scared, they're happy, um, or they're or they're sad. But they can't draw down to tell you what they truly feel. But that's number one. They have to be able to do that. Number two is they have to be able to express those emotions. And there again, maybe in the family of origin, they were told, you know what? We don't share emotions. Emotions aren't a good thing here. I don't want to hear it. Stop your crying. Stop your whining. I don't want to deal with it. So therefore, the, the, the message they receive is, oh, it's dangerous to share your emotions or emotions just aren't a good thing. And then finally, the third thing is to be able to take on the emotions that other people have and be able to deal with them in a healthy way. Because this guy who has the low emotional IQ, what he's going to do is, one, try to fix the problem, yep. which is not the solution or two what he's going to try to do is try to minimize it it's not a big deal i don't know why you're worried worried about it it'll be fine or finally what they're going to do is try to shut it down and they do that by either being aggressive you don't know what you're talking about shut up we don't need to do that or they withdraw i don't have time for this and they just go all those those three things have to be worked on, and they all can, but it comes down to being mindful, to be mindful of, ooh, you know what? This is what people need from me. More importantly, though, Chris, is what we need for ourselves. We were designed to be emotional beings. We're designed to have emotion, but too many people cut their emotions off at a very young age in order to protect themselves from pain and hurt. But once you cut them off, unless you finally have an awakening, that this is what you've done, they do not turn on again. Never, ever. They, you, they won't turn it on again at all. They're not going to turn on unless, you, again, you have an awakening and you realize, oh, you know what? I, I cut off my emotions way back there. I, I now have to come back and learn how to re, rejuvenate them. But if you're not aware of it, you're going to walk around being more, again, rational thinking, cognitive thinking, but your emotional thinking is going to be non-existent. What do you think they people do become aware of it and then... They just decide, no, I'm fine. I'm still fine the way I am. I'm just going to keep continuing on. And I don't, I don't care about you know, the future or me changing or anything like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, the answer to that is yes. It happens in a lot of cases, you know, especially the, the uh, partner is like, you know what, there's something wrong with this relationship. You don't talk to me. You're not curious about anything I do. You know, you don't have many interests and things like that. And, you know what? I, I feel like I'm dying over here. Yeah. And the guy's like, hey, look, you know what? We go out places. We do things. I don't know what your problem is. You know, I'm not that kind of guy. That's not me. I'm not going to sit here and just talk with you. And a lot of that, again... 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. the lack of awareness, but now, guess what? Now, it's been brought to mind. Oh, guess what? You have a problem. But you know what they'll do? They'll turn around and say something like, well, you know what? I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not going to wear my emotions on my sleeve. You know, it's just not that important. Yeah. We don't have to get that deep into things. Yeah. You know, one thing uh, that resonated, you know, that I resonated with me in your book is that uh, I think it was in chapter, I wrote down a note here just so I can remember it. Uh, it's kind of speaking of like that chapter 16, you actually talked about like negative comfort zone. Yes. Yeah. And I had never really heard it expressed the way that you just, uh, that it was in your book just saying that, Ooh, you know, you're basically in your comfort zone, but you kind of just, you're like exactly what you said. It's just negative. Well, can, can you elaborate on that a little bit just so other people can, uh, so you sure. can make it actually sound better than me trying to explain it again. But, <laughs> yeah, because I actually, but I actually felt like, oh, that's maybe part of me right there, you know. So you you were you're doing a good job with it. <laughs> um, basically, what it is is that you know, for example, let's say if somebody who deals with a low grade depression, they've always had a low grade depression. Mm-hmm. They they don't think much about it. Okay, they, but but it's just it's just who I am. I don't get very excited. I don't get really low. I'm just, bleh. and then somebody finds up. Somebody points it out. Says, "You know what? You're really kind of, yeah. and, and right. And for them, if they try to break out of it, it's going to cause a lot of anxiety in them. Because see, this is what they're used to. It's what the body's used to. It's what their brain is used to. So therefore, for them, as they try to come out, many times they'll revert and go back. And why? Because it's a comfort zone. But it's not a healthy comfort zone. It's not a positive one. It's a negative one. And you there are many, many examples of people who are locked in negative comfort zones. Is it? Yeah, because, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, some of my experiences and through my life and just people I know. And it's just like, hmm, this seems pretty familiar, you know, just like it just seems pretty like, oh, maybe this is what, you know, you and I are both going through and just maybe somehow to get out of it. But uh, but yeah, like that part really resonated with me for I guess it's because like, like what I'm saying, I just thought maybe I, I've been in a negative comfort zone, maybe one point in my life. And, you know, so and, and I've actually explained to other people that, you know, that I don't never really feel that I get my really really low and i never feel like i get super super high with my you know nature but um but i usually just kind of stay on a pretty even kill mm-hmm. uh, right and think about that i mean you know are we really using all our emotions if we stay even keel mm-hmm. you know probably not or probably not i mean you know we're and and basically what we're really doing we're missing out on life 
We're not living life to the fullest. Be able to enjoy things that many other people may enjoy, but we just take it for granted. And just like, eh, no big deal. You know, I've asked this before, but do you think, I, I mean, I've talked about it before with some other guests, but do you think people were scared to take those chances to live life to the fullest just because they're scared of they might actually, you know, be successful or they might actually like it too much and then might put them on. I, they're almost scared of change, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Definitely. That goes back to the guy or the person who's in the negative comfort zone. Yeah. That fear of change. But yes, in fact, you know, as I outlined in the book, there are 14 blind spots mm-hmm. that I identify. All of those blind spots, even though what is fear, all of them deal with fear because that, that is what drives much of our decision making. Yeah. And, and we don't and we don't even realize it. But that is what makes us decide in many cases, you know, do I go this way? Do I go that way? And well, if I go that way, maybe I'll be late. Maybe I'm going to run into traffic. Okay, that's fear. So it it becomes with many, many decisions in our lives every day. Yeah, you. uh, I think there was 14 of those blind spots that you actually went down through. And I actually, uh, for for people who are wanting to read the book, you actually give anecdotes at the end of each chapter to try to how to, um, I guess, cope with these blind spots. Correct. I mean, yeah, to try to soften them. Yeah. You know, because again, these things are like ingrained. In us, like for example, the um, avoiding emotional pain. There are people who just are not going to sit with that emotional discomfort, as I talked about in the beginning. So, therefore, what they're going to do is just run to find something to comfort themselves, to soothe themselves. So, therefore, in the book, I've outlined probably anywhere between four and seven different what I call antidote for each and every one of the blind spots. Example, there's lack of curiosity, people who are hypersensitive, whether it be to uh, criticism or rejection, Uh, compulsive people, people who have compulsive nature, uh, people who have limited interest and passion. What, there's something I call the high and light syndrome. The high, uh, I hide, I, I kind of fade into the background, background so I can't get noticed. But then also I lie because I realize that, you know what, even if I tell the truth, I'm going to get in trouble, so it doesn't matter. The lack of mindfulness is another blind spot. And one of the largest, one of the biggest ones is being inwardly focused. You know, what happens again when we grow up that we grow up and we are emotionally undeveloped, we're going to feel like there's really nobody there for us. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we have to be there for ourselves just to survive. And what I'm talking about, I don't I'm talking about surviving that I don't have food or clothing. I'm talking about surviving emotionally, mentally. So therefore, I turn inward and not realizing it, I've, I've really become a very self-centered person. I may think I'm very outwardly focused, but I'm not. Because again, everything has to come back to you. Am, am I, is my comfort zone in good shape? Because sure. if it's not, then I have to do something. I have to act upon it immediately. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit just because I was curious about this. But, uh, you know, you mainly talk about, you know, males and, you know, struggling with sex and porn and all that stuff. But I mean, do you also in your practice see it with females too? 
No, I don't work with females. Yeah. I only work with I only work with men. So therefore, that's why I can't write about is um, the same issue with female. My guess is yes. I get I guess that probably about eighty percent of what I have uncovered relating to men would also apply to females. Okay. You know, especially in our changing culture and society. Where you know what it's not. It used to be a very uh, clear differentiation between women and men. When we were, you know, back in the fifties, sixties, even seventies, and so. And I'm not talking about from a gender standpoint. I'm just talking about uh, the way they acted, what their interests were, all those kind of things. And then it changed, and it actually changed for the better because women actually wound up achieving more. They stepped out of the stereotype that they had and started to come into more of the man world, which was wonderful. But in that happening now, that's why I think today some of these things would be pretty similar because they do interact in a man world a great deal, where before, if you went back to the 50s and 60s, these, their relational blind spot may have been very different than a man. Now, again, that's just me, you know, assuming, but I think it's a pretty good assumption. Yeah, no, I would agree with that, too, that uh, just like you said, the change in culture, it almost seems to, you know, everyone's exposed to it so much, and then just depending on, you know, the way a female versus male grows up in their environment, yeah, I mean, they could easily be suffer from addiction. I don't know of anybody personally, and I don't think I've actually ever read about anybody, but I'm sure that I'm sure it's out there and just struggling yeah. with, the, with the emotional, low emotional IQ, like you were talking about earlier. Definitely. There are women, there are women who definitely struggle with low emotion like you. I've known some, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I may not work with them, but I, uh, and treat people like that, but there's no doubt they're dealing with it. Because remember, you're dealing with the same kind of parents mm-hmm. because over, over the decade, all right. As parents grew up, where as children grew up within families, where again the moms now are working, there's a lot of you know um, activity in the house per se, and there's not a whole lot of one-on-one interaction of let build the, the emotional bond between all of us because we're all too busy, and that has just gotten that just exacerbated over the last 20 years, where everyone is always so busy that we really don't have time to sit, to learn about one another, be curious yeah. about things. Might be sitting around the table and just say to the kid, you know, so I was cool, it was good, okay, fine. Pass, uh, can you pass the mashed potatoes? <laughs> I mean, we're done, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, I, I want to be respectful of your time here, but I got one more question. I mean, do you think that... Yeah. Um, you know, somebody growing up in that environment and just because the way their parents treated him or her or not even treated the way they were raised or whatever that they think, you know, I'm not, and I'm not a parent by any means, but I'm just wondering that just because they were raised this way and, you know, treated this way. And just like you said that, you know, if they asked how school was and someone just said good and they just ignored it or whatever, do you think they, when, if that child becomes a parent, you know, and when they become an adult, they have to do the same thing just because that's they feel that's the way they were raised. So they feel like they have to do the exact not, same thing. Not so much that they have to do it that way, but sometimes they just don't know any better. God, so, yeah. so therefore, they're just what they're doing. They're just repeating 
the path once again. And that's why what I'm hoping that this book, you know, Why Men Struggle to Love, start to break the cycle. That we break the cycle that men, young men, start to realize, ooh, you know what? I have to invest 100% into my children, especially at a very young age, to be able to walk them through the steps that are required that they are not emotionally undeveloped, but they're emotionally developed. They're strong in that area. And it's the same thing with mom. Mom doing the same thing. So we're trying to break the cycle. So therefore, it's like, all right, now we have a new generation. Our family knows how to bond. We know how to connect. Your kids are going to know it. Your kid kids are going to know it. And we move down that, that new pathway. In talking about new pathways, you actually said like one key to actually kind of improving one's life in your book is through journaling, correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. There's something really interesting about journaling, Chris. What it does, it opens up new neural pathways in our brain. It helps us to start to think a little bit differently. There's something about putting things on paper. And for some reason, versus typing it, sitting and handwriting something, that it just gets our brain to reflect deeper into it. And therefore, then it starts to be something become something that we learn and we take into our lives and start to incorporate. So journaling is a huge, uh, a wonderful exercise that people should be taking advantage of. Yeah, you know, I, I've never done it through pen and paper, but one time in uh, one of my college classes, our professor actually had us do it, you know, typing on a computer and you know, and just something takes over. Like you were saying, you get down into the deeper part of the brains and like, yeah, you're kind of pretty much conscious of what you're typing at first, but then eventually, I don't know, it's just like something took over. And I remember, you know, 10 minutes have passed and you're like, whoa, wait, what did I write? Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I don't know. I felt different. I felt good about it, you know? So. Yeah. Because you kind of zone out, you go there, you go to where your thoughts that you're putting down, it takes you back to that time. To that place or wherever it is. And therefore, you're able to be more mindful of what it's about. Now, what you're doing again is you're reinforcing, you're taking both the cognitive part of your brain and the emotional part of your brain, and they're linking together. That's great. Yeah. Well, Eddie, I, like I said, I want to be respectful of your time. So I say we take this one home on that right there. And, uh, before we get off here, why don't you tell everyone uh, if they want to find out more information from you, get your book, all that good stuff. How do they do that? So, Yeah, they can uh, first they can learn more about the new book at www.strugglingmen.org. Again, the strugglingmen.org. Uh, the book's available on Amazon. Again, the name of it is Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spot. But then there's also the other book, which has really been a very big seller, and that's called Going Deeper, uh, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction. And again, that's available on Amazon. And the website would be www.innerchild-sexaddiction.com. Great, great. Well, thank you for doing this. This was, I wish we had a little bit more time, but maybe we, uh, on your next book or something, we can get you back on here and take a little bit deeper dives down some other little topics. I would love it, Chris. I'd love it. Okay. All right, everybody. We're out of here. Be good to yourselves. Thank you.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 